It's the Chambers Street Theater, and I'm Ruth Chambers. Well, here we are. It's KDRT 95.7, and we stream, so check out the webpage for KDRT Davis, California. In other words, by saying stream, you can go to the webpage and see some of our past shows for any of the shows that are on KDRT, and you can check in on them. You can even listen via your uh, computer. And it can become like your radio. So that can be a wonderful thing. Look for the Chamber Street Theater at the website for KDRT 95.7 FM Davis. And by the way, this streaming goes worldwide. Well, hello. And today... We're going to continue with our reading of Rig Larner's um, selected stories. The one we're reading is You Know Me, Al. And this is the series of letters written by a semi-illiterate professional baseball pitcher. And these stories made Ring Lardner famous. So we're going to continue with the stories. But I need to remind you, um, I am reading... As it's written in the book, and instead of series, like World Series, they refer to it as a serious. So when we get to a serious, you'll know it's a series. Likewise, Chicago is shortened to shy, which I have heard from a listener, is correct. Shy is the pronunciation of C-H-I, of course, uh, Ring Lardner was writing in 1914, so who knows what could have happened with pronunciations between then and now, but we're going to continue with the letters, which I'm finding delightful, and apparently there are many people in the audience who are due, too. Okay, Cleveland, Ohio, April 11, friend Al. Well, Al, I suppose you know by this time I did not pitch, and that we got licked. <laughs> Scott was in there, and he didn't have nothing. When they had us beat 4-1 to one in the eighth inning, Callahan told me to go out and warm up, and he put a batter in for Scott in our ninth. But Cleveland didn't have to play their ninth, so I got no chance to work. But it looks like he means to start me in one of the games here. We got three more to play. Maybe I'll pitch this afternoon. I got a postcard from Violet. She says, beat them naps. I'll give them a battle, Al, if I get a chance. <laughs> Glad to hear you boys have fixed it up to come to Shy during the Detroit Sirius. I'll ask Callahan when he is going to pitch me and let you know. Thanks, Al, for the papers. Your friend, Jack. St. Louis, Missouri, April 15, friend Al. Well, Al, I guess I showed them. I only worked one inning, but I guess them Browns is glad I wasn't in there no longer than that. They had us beat 7-1 to one in the 6th, and Callahan pulls Benz out. I honestly felt sorry for him, but he didn't have nothing. Not a thing. They was hitting him so hard, I thought they would score a 100 runs. A right-hander named Bumgardner was pitching for them, and he didn't look to have nothing either. But we ain't got much of a batting team, Al. I could hit better than some of them regulars. 
Anyway, Callahan called Benz to the bench and sent for me. I was down in the corner warming up with Kun. I wasn't warmed up good, but you know I got the nerve, Al, and I run right out there like I meant business. There was a man on second and nobody out when I come in. I didn't know, know who was up there, but I found afterwards it was Shotton. He's the center fielder. I was cold, and I walked him. Then I got warmed up good, and I made Johnson look like a boob. <laughs> I gave him three fastballs, and he let two of them go by and missed the other one. I would have handed him a spitter, but Chalk kept signing for the fast ones, and he knows more about them batters than me. Anyway, I whiffed Johnson. <laughs> then up come went Williams, and I tried to make him hit a couple of bad ones. I was in the hole with two balls and nothing and come right across the heart with my fast one. I wish you could have saw the hop on it. Williams hit it straight up, and Lord was camped under it. Then up come Pratt, the best hitter in the club. You know what I done to him, don't you, Al? I gave him one spitter and another he didn't strike at, and that was a ball. Then I come back with two fast ones, and Mr. Pratt was a dead baby. And you notice they didn't steal no bases, neither. In our half of the seventh inning, Weaver and Shock got on, and I was going up there with a stick when Callahan calls me back and sends Easterly up. I don't know what kind of managing you call that. I hit good on the training trip, and he must have knew that there was no chance to score off me in the innings they had left while they were liable to murder his other pitchers. I come back to the bench pretty hot, and I says, You're making a mistake. He says, If Kaminsky had wanted you to manage this team, he would have hired you. Then Easterly pops out, and I says, now I guess you're pretty sorry you didn't let me hit. That sent him right up in the air, and he bowled me honest. Al, I would have cracked him right in the jaw if we hadn't been right out there where everybody could have saw us. Well, he sent Sakoti in to finish, and they didn't score no more, and we didn't neither. I rode down in the car with Gleason. He says, boy... You shouldn't ought to talk like that to Cal. Someday he'll lose his temper and bust you one. I says, he won't never bust me. I says, he didn't have no right to talk like that to me. Gleason says, I suppose you think he's going to laugh and smile when we lost four out of the first five games. He says, wait till tonight and then go up to him and let him know you're sorry you sassed him. I says, I didn't sass him, and I ain't sorry. So after supper, I seen Callahan sitting in the lobby, and I went over and sat down by him. I says, when are you going to let me work? He says, I wouldn't never let you work, only my pitchers were all shot to pieces. Then I told him about you boys coming up from Bedward to watch me during the Detroit series, and he says... Well, I'll start you in the second game against Detroit. He says, but I wouldn't if I had any pitchers. He says, a girl could get out there and pitch better than some of them have been doing. So you see, Al, I'm going to pitch on the 19th. 
I hope you guys can be up here, and I'll show you something. I know I can beat them tigers, and I will have to do it even if they are Violet's team. I noticed that New York and Boston got trimmed today, so I suppose they wish Kamensky would ask for waivers on me. No chance, Al. Your old pal Jack. P.S. We play 11 games in Shy and then go to Detroit. So I'll see the little girl on the 29th. Oh, you Violet. <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, April 19. Dear old pal. Well, Al, it's just as well you couldn't come. They beat me, and I'm writing you this so you will know the truth about the game and not get a bum steer from what you read in the papers. I had a sore arm when I was warming up, and Callahan should never ought to have sent me in there. And Shulk kept signing for my fastball, and I kept giving it to him because I thought he ought to know something about the batters. Weaver and Lord and all them kept kicking them around the infield, and Collins and Bodies couldn't catch nothing. Callahan ought never to have left me in there when he seen how sore my arm was. Well, I couldn't have threw hard enough to break a pane of glass. My arm was so sore. They sure did run wild on the bases. Cobb stole four, and Bush and Crawford and Vetch about two apiece. Shalk couldn't even make a peg half the time. I would guess he was trying to throw me down. The score was 16-2 to two when Callahan finally took me out in the eighth, and I don't know how many more they got. I kept telling him to take me out when I seen how bad I was, but he wouldn't do it. They started bunting in the fifth, and Lord and Chase just stood there and didn't give me no help at all. It was all okay till I had the first two men out in the first inning. Then Crawford come up. I wanted to give him a spitter, but Chalk signs me for the fast one, and I give it to him. The ball didn't hop much, and Crawford happened to catch it just right. At that, Collins ought to have catched the ball. Crawford made three bases, and up come Cobb. It was the first time I ever seen him. He hollered at me right off the reel. He says, you better walk me, you busher. I says, I will walk you right to the bench. Shulk signs for a spitter, and I give it to him, and Cobb misses it. Then instead of signing for another one, Shulk asked for a fast one, and I shook my head no, but he signed for it again and yells, put something on it. So I throw a fast one, and Cobb hits it right over second base. I don't know what Weaver was doing, but he never made a move for the ball. Crawford scored, and Cobb was on first base. First thing I know, he had stole second while I held the ball. Callahan yells, wake up out there. And I says, why don't your catcher tell me when they're going to steal? Shock says, get in there and pitch and shut your mouth. Then I got mad and walked Vetch and Moriarty, but before I walked Moriarty, Cobb and Vetch pulled a double steal on Shalk. Gaynor lifts a fly, and Lord drops it, and two more come in. Then Stanage walks, and I whiffs their pitcher. I come into the bench, and Callahan says, Are your friends from Bedford up here? I was pretty sore, and I says, Why don't you get a catcher? He says, you don't need no catcher when you're pitching. 
because you can't get nothing past their bats. And then he says, you better leave your uniform in here when you go out next inning, or Cobb will steal it off your back. I says, my arm is sore. He says, use your other one and you'll do just as good. Gleason says, do you want to warm up? Callahan says, nobody. He says, Cobb is going to lead the league in batting and base stealing anyway, so we might as well give him a good start. I was mad enough to punch his jaw, but the boys winked at me not to do nothing. Well, I got some support in the next inning, and nobody got on. Between innings, I says, well, I guess I look better now, don't I? Callahan says, yes. But you wouldn't look so good if Collins hadn't jumped up on that fence and catched that one off Crawford. That's all the encouragement I got, Al. Cobb come up again to start the third, and when Salk signs me for a fast one, I shakes my head. Then Salk says, all right, pitch anything you want to. I pitched a spitter, and Cobb bunts it right at me. I would have threw him out a block, but I stubbed my toe in a rough place and fell down. This is the roughest ground I ever seen, Al. Vench bunts, and for a wonder, Lord throws him out. Cobb goes to second, and honest, Al, I forgot all about him being there, and first thing I knowed, he had stole third. Then Moriarty hits a fly ball to Bodie, and Cobb scores, though Bodie ought to threw him out 20 feet. Ah, they batted all round in the fourth inning and scored four or five more. Crawford got the luckiest three-base hit I ever see. He popped one way up in the air, and the wind blowed it against the fence. The wind is something fierce here, Al. At that, Collins ought to have got under it. I was looking at the bench all the time, expecting Callahan to call me in. He kept hollering, go on and pitch. Your friends want to see you pitch. Well, Al, I don't know how they got the rest of their runs, but they had more luck than any team I ever seen. And all the time, Jennings was on the coaching line yelling like an Indian. Someday, Al, I'm going to punch his jaw. After Vench had hit one in the eighth, Callahan calls me to the bench and says, you're through for the day. I says, it's about time you found out my arm was sore. He says, I ain't worrying about your arm, but I'm afraid some of our outfielders will run their legs off and some of them poor infielders will get killed. He says, the reporters just sent me a message saying they had run out of paper. Then he says, I wish some of the other clubs had pitchers like you so we could hit once in a while. He says, go in the clubhouse and get your arm rubbed off. That's the only way I can get Jennings sore, he says. Well, Al, that's about all there was to it. It'll take two or three stamps to send this, but I want you to know the truth about it. The way my arm was, I ought never to have went in there. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, April 25, friend Al. Just a line to let you know I'm still on earth. My arm feels pretty good again, and I guess maybe I'll work at Detroit. Violet writes that she can hardly wait to see me. Looks like I got a regular girl now. <laughs> Al, we got up there the 29th, and maybe I won't be glad to see her. 
I hope she will be out to the game the day I pitch. <laughs> I'll pitch the way I want to next time, and them Tigers won't have such a picnic. I suppose you've seen what the Chicago reporters said about that game. I'll punch a couple of their jaws when I see them. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, April 29. Dear old Al. Well, Al, it's all over. The club went to Detroit last night, and I didn't go along. Callahan told me to report to Kamunsky this morning, and I went into the office at 10 o'clock. He gave me my pay to date and broke the news. I am sold to Frisco. I asked him how they got waivers on me, and he says, Oh, there was no trouble about that because they all heard how you tamed the tigers. Then he patted me on the back and says, Go out there and work hard, boy, and maybe you'll get another chance someday. I was kind of choked up, so I walked out of the office. I ain't had no fair deal, Al, and I ain't going to no Frisco. I'll quit the game first and take that job Charlie offered me at the billiard hall. I expect to be in Bedford in a couple of days. I've got to pack up first and settle with my landlady about my room here, which I engaged for all season, thinking I would be treated square. I'm going to rest and lay around home a while and try to forget this rotten game. Tell the boys about it, Al, and tell them I never would have got let out if I hadn't worked with a sore arm. I feel sorry for that little girl up in Detroit, Al. She expected me there today. Your old pal Jack. P.S. I suppose you seen where that lucky left-hander Allen shut out Cleveland with two hits yesterday, the lucky stiff. San Francisco, California, May 13. Friend Al, I suppose you and the rest of the boys in Bedford will be surprised to learn that I am out here, because I remember telling you when I was sold to San Francisco by the White Sox, that not under no circumstances would I report here. I was pretty mad when Kaminsky gave me my release because I didn't think I had been given a fair show by Callahan. I don't think so yet, Al, and I never will, but Bill Sullivan, the old White Sox catcher, talked to me and told me not to pull no boner by refusing to go where they sent me. He says, you're only hurting yourself. He says, you must remember that this was your first time up in the big show, and very few men, no matter how much stuff they got, can expect to make a good right off the reel. He says, all you need is experience, and pitching out in the Coast League will be just the thing for you. So I went in and asked Kamensky for my transportation, and he says, that's all right, boy. Go out there and work hard, and maybe I'll want you back. I told him I hope so, but I don't hope nothing of the kind, Al. I am going to see if I can't get Detroit to buy me, because I would rather live in Detroit than anywhere else. The little girl who got stuck on me this spring lives there. I guess I told you about her, Al. Her name is Violet, and she is some queen. And then if I got with the Tigers, I wouldn't have never to pitch against Cobb and, and Crawford, though I believe I could show both of them up if I was right. They ain't got much of a ball club here and hardly any good pitchers outside of me, but I don't care. 
I will win some games if they give me any support, and I'll get back in the big league and show them birds something. You know me, Al. Your pal, Jack. Los Angeles, California, May 20. Al. Well, old pal, I don't suppose you can find much news of this league in the papers at home, so you may not know that I have been standing this league on their heads. I pitched against Oakland up home and shut them out with two hits. I made them look like suckers, Al. They haven't never saw no speed like mine, and they were scared to death the minute I cut loose. I could have pitched the last six innings with my foot and trimmed them, they were so scared. <laughs> well, we come down here for a serious, and I worked the second game. They got four hits and one run, and I give them uh, the one run. Their shortstop Johnson was on the training trip with the White Sox, and of course I knowed him pretty well. So I eased up in the last inning and let him get hit one. <laughs> if I had a wanted to let myself out, he wouldn't have hit me with a board. So I'm going along good, and Howard, our manager, says he's going to use me regular. He's a pretty nice manager and not a bit uh, sarcastic like some of them big leaguers. I'm fielding my position good and watching the base runners, too. Thank goodness, Al. They ain't no cobs in this league, and a man ain't scared of having his uniform stole off his back. <laughs> but listen, Al, I don't want to be bought by Detroit no more. It's all off between Violet and I. She wasn't the sort of girl I suspected. She is just like them all, Al. No heart. I wrote her a letter from Chicago telling her I was sold to San Francisco, and she wrote back a postcard saying something about not having no time to waste on bushers. What do you know about that, Al? Calling me a busher. I will show them. She wasn't no good, Al, and I figure I am well rid of her. Good riddance is rubbish, as they say. Well, I let you know how I get along and if I hear anything about being sold or drafted. Yours truly, Jack. And we're going to stop there with the diary of um, You Know Me, Al, by Ring Lardner. <laughs> I think it's going pretty good. I find it interesting, the interaction with the girlfriend and the various managers and all of this. He seems to be, this Jack, this fictitious Jack, seems to be quite the character. <laughs> well, we have some public service announcements. The Pence Gallery mission is to serve the community through high-caliber art exhibits and educational programs for visitors of all ages. Exhibitions throughout the year are partnered with art lectures, art smart programs, and tours. The Pence is located near the corner of 2nd and D Streets in downtown Davis. For visitor, volunteer, and membership information, call 530-758-3370 or visit pencegallery.org. Okay, join our illustrious jug player, Wayne, as he steps away from his jug to create a bit of musical mayhem on Out of Style, live Friday evenings from 8.30 to 9. Replays Mondays at 9.30 p.m., Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m., Fridays at 2.30 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., it's just a reminder to all of you out there, we're going to be starting our new 
schedule, and I will be having a lot of different replay times. Uh, we'll still be doing live on Thursday at 11, but we've got some more replay times, and we're even going to have a midnight for all you insomniacs out there. Well, KDRT is a project of Davis Media Access, DMA. Our mission is to enrich and strengthen the community by providing alternatives to commercial media for local voices, opinions, and creative endeavors. DMA is open Tuesday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and is located at 1623 Fifth Street, Davis, California. Office phone number, 530-757-2419. KDR studio phone number is 530-792-1648. It's here where the grassroots grow. Well, that's about our show for today, and I'm glad that we still have a little time. And let me repeat once again that the Chamber Street Theater will be having some additional and slightly different replay times. Uh, our live show will still be on at Thursday at 11 a.m., but the repeats will be changing, so keep alert, and I'll make the announcement as soon as it's absolutely set. But we're going to have some replays. One is going to be in the afternoon for school kids getting out of school, and the other will be for the insomniacs, and I hope there's some baseball insomniacs out there because we're reading a lot of Ring Lardner. Well, we're going to see if maybe something will work here with our fabulous uh, uh, CD player here. We didn't get our, um, our theme music played right, and I wasn't happy about that. Whoops, just a second. Uh, two. Okay, here we go. We're going to try and, and hear a little of... Um, Fleetwood Mac, and let's see if it comes up. Well, it's not coming up again. Well, that's two in a row where the theme music doesn't play. So I guess we'll just have to stop that and just call that part a day. Well, we still have a little time, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Ring Lardner. Um, he's a very interesting person. He was uh, he came from a respectable family uh, but he was very much attracted to sports and he became very active um, writing for local newspapers and he became sort of a, a big time sports writer and he tried to figure out a, a new and different angle and he came up with this idea of writing letters home a busher's letter home a busher is someone in the lower leagues, and they're from the bush leagues. And, of course, uh, Jack is uh, the fictitious character, and he's writing home to his friend Al. And the most important thing to know about Ring Lardner is that he was a newspaper man. <laughs> he stumbled almost accidentally into short story writing. On March 7, 1914... One day after his 29th birthday, uh, Lardner published a story in the Saturday Evening Post called A Busher's Letters Home. Well, that's it for today, and we're glad you're here. And we'll be